welcome to the Profiles in Persistence show. I'm Dusty Rollins, founder and owner of Oxford Business Services. We help entrepreneurs and business owners maximize their profit and minimize their taxes. We believe there should be limits to how much the IRS can punish your success. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on this great inspirational daily podcast. Let's go. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Nadir Olai. Hope I got that right. And um, Nadir has a really interesting uh, business that he has founded. So I'm really excited to visit with him today and find out how and what he is doing. So Nadir, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for having me. So could you tell us a little bit about your uh, educational background, Nadir? Well, absolutely. Uh, I grew up in a family of engineers, so I was just bound to go to engineering school, (laughs) which is what I did. So I started with studying electronics engineering and ended up specializing in in, in embedded software development. Well, I grew up as the son of an engineer, and I ran as far away from engineering as I could. So uh, (laughs) interesting perspectives. But... uh, now, let me turn to uh, a little bit about your professional background, because you spent, uh, if not all of it, certainly much of it in the area of professional career coaching. So I wanted to ask you, how did you get into that profession and, and what really appealed to you then? And then we'll talk about why it still uh, is so passionate for you today. Of course. So it wasn't by choice. It was definitely by chance. Uh, long story short, I graduated uh from, from university in December, 2007. So right into the 2008 recession. <laughs> so, uh, you know, prom- was promised to start a job somewhere between like 30 to 35 bucks an hour. Well, that didn't happen. My first job paid me $14 and 90 cents an hour at a call center. So uh, out of desperateness, I took it. Uh, that's the best thing I could get. So I spent two years working in a call center uh, not as an engineer, I was the only engineer around <laughs> and uh, drifted it away and away from the work that I was, you know, that I was really uh, striving to do, which was working in robotics and manufacturing, preferably in the automotive sector where, you know, my dad and uncle and grandfather were all mechanics and mechanical engineers. So uh, that's what I wanted to do. That was the dream that never came through. So Two years went by in 2009, end of 2009, 2010 came, the recession was behind us and I started looking for work again and uh, struggled for months finding a job within the same area, robotics, manufacturing. And I was just fed up, you know, I was fed up and I started chasing money and money told me that you got to go in technical sales. And I said, all right, you know, I'll I'll become a technical salesperson. And I did for, for a good year. And yeah, I did make some money, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy at all. So towards the end of 2010, 2011, I approached a recruiting company uh, to look for a job. I wanted a job in my own field. You know, that's what I went to school for. And uh, that didn't happen. And uh, what did happen, though, is I got a call one day from my recruiter, Maria. And she was like, you know what? I like your drive. I like your background. You have this unique uh 
technical engineering education, but you worked on the phone for a long time in a call center. So you know how to talk to people. And then you did sales for the last year. So have you considered becoming a recruiter? And I hadn't, but <laughs> I just said, you know what? Uh, I, I like what you're saying. And if, if I'm not going to end up working as an engineer, I'm going to make sure that others who want to get into the engineering field, they'll, they'll reach their dreams. So I just really took that vision, that mission to heart. And, you know, from then, from 2011, I started learning how to become an engineer, how to become a recruiter and helping engineers find a job they love. And that's where it all started. Uh, it was a great match, great fit for me. Two years into it, I was a number one recruiter in the company I was with. And towards the end of 2012, I, I resigned and I started my own business. So one of the things that intrigued me was your um, writing. And I say that because I've known a lot of engineers, including my father, and they were not really the best writers. It's no slam on engineers. You're just, you have a different skill set and you write, you do write, but you write in a very different way than articles or I'm a lawyer by professional background. So I write in a certain style, but I wanted to know how you had, had you written sort of as a kid and growing up and, or how did you come about this? passion around writing. And it's been in, in a wide variety of areas. It's been in the engineering profession itself. It's been in your recruiting and in, um, in, in what you do right now. So could you tell us a little bit about the writing part of you? Of course, of course, no background in writing whatsoever. Uh, English is not my first language. I began to speak English at the age of 18. <laughs> you know, when we moved from basically we moved to Canada and uh, yeah, that's that's when I learned how to speak the language or write the language. So yeah, not, nothing in the background. I was terrible at it. I had to take um, you know grade twelve English three times to pass it to get into college, and then had to go back to night school, take it again to get into university. So I had my uh, my battles with learning how to speak and write English. But writing for me started when I when I began to recruit. So as a recruiter, one of the services we offer is to write job descriptions for employers. When you get into writing job descriptions, you learn how to tell stories. So I began being trained on storytelling uh, and that's where it all started. So I got really good at telling an employer's story, the story of their, their situations, the challenges they're facing, which uh, gets them to, to us as the recruiting company where an engineer comes to the picture and uh, solves their problems and creates all these great results that they want. So it really started there and writing job descriptions led to me starting to coach others with writing their resume, writing their own personal story, developing your own personal brand. And as soon as I left and I started my own business in 2012, article writing became just a avenue for me to generate traffic, you know, uh, obviously serve the community and help them share my knowledge. But for the business, it became my, uh, my marketing strategy. So that's, uh, and you've continued that literally up till this day, you actually have a blog now. Yeah, I do have a blog and I, I write for a few different uh, publications and uh, it's, it's amazing because I can, I, I have a tough time holding things to myself. So I need to just get them out of my head Maybe like one of the things that really helps me to, to write has helped me over the last decade has been journaling. So 
I, you know, meditate in the morning, exercise, meditate, journal. That's my routine. So by the time I'm done with the exercise, I do my meditation, my mind's wide open. So I start writing ideas and thoughts. And sometimes it's just a little few words that turn into, you know, a paragraph turns into half a page. And then I start getting it onto, you know, Microsoft Word and type it all out and, uh, you know, get it published. Uh, that, that's a really interesting. Uh, I began uh, work as a solo independent in 2010, and I was laid up from a, an accident, and I started uh, blogging. And uh, I used originally uh, started using it as a marketing tool, and it evolved to much more than that, to true uh, thought leadership and, and influencer. So it seems to me you're on that same path as well, but in your own chosen profession. Would that be a fair assessment? That'd be a fair assessment. Yeah. You know, uh, I just want to help people gain access to the same information that I have now so that they'll never, you know, come across an obstacle in their own path. Uh, so I was wondering if you might be able to share with us, because you've written a ton uh, over the years. Uh, there, are there two or three that really stand out to you as either your favorites or turned out to be the most important because of the number of uh, readers or, or viewers? Uh, sure, there's, there's there's lots, you know, hundreds I've written, but one that was published on Forbes, I guess Forbes getting a lot of attention and having the branding behind it, which was uh, top three skills for introverted engineers or top three skills introverted engineers can use to, to progress in their career. And the top three skills are communication, self-awareness and influence. So th that was... That's something I keep hearing back about because communication obviously is, is something that uh, isn't really strong suit for the average engineer. It wasn't the strong suit for me. So it's definitely number one on the list. Uh, it, it's, it's one of the benefits that I, that I, that I really help, help my clients create in their own life. One of the results they create, they become better communicators. Uh, second to that is become more self-aware to learn more about their own personality you know, overcome the negative self-talk and upgrade their self-image so they can just resonate better with others. And that leads to influence. You know, ultimately, we need to get others to see things our way, especially as an, as an engineer. You know, when you design, when you create, when you invent, you need to be able to sell that idea. Uh, otherwise, no one's going no to accept your idea. So influence is extremely important. Have you found that this writing has not only enabled you to uh, reach people and thereby expand your influence, but actually help grow your own business, both when you worked uh, in your current one, but also in some of your prior jobs? Oh, 100%, 100%, because people can see, uh, they can get a firsthand look at that intellectual property, you know, and figure out what you're all about. And I actually use it. I tell them, hey, just Google my name and put articles in front of it or just Google my name and go to Google News and look at what, what I've put out there. Just, just does the bragging for me, you know. Uh, I don't have to really go into too much detail. They can go and take their own time and figure out, you know, ultimately who, who they're facing. Uh, do you work with clients from the, the, the demand side? In other words, companies or engineering firms that might be looking for engineers as well? Uh, not anymore. I stopped recruiting two years ago. So uh, could you tell us about the company you uh, have now? Yeah, so we're called Engineer Your Mission. So my primary goal is to help 
engineers go from where they are to where they need to be, where they strive to be by first defining what their mission in life is. So creating a, a purposeful and meaningful life that is defined around the ultimate mission they want to achieve. So we always start by, uh, I don't like to call it goal setting because it discounts it, but I love the word mission because we're all put on this planet to, to achieve something huge and build a legacy. So that's what we really focus on and then work our way backwards and kind of like reverse engineer it, if you will, to, uh, to where they need to be throughout their entire career uh, from 10 years from now, back to five years from now, back to today or back to their next job so that uh, they have something to look forward to, you know? So there's going to be lots of smaller components in that process. But one of the things that definitely makes my approach uh, unique is to, is to look at that entire lifespan of that engineer, that person, and be able to plan it out for them. So in addition to being the son of an engineer, I'm the son of an engineering professor. So I heard most of my adult life uh, that the world was actually uh, uh, created by engineers, uh, although we didn't know it at the time. And actually, it was built by engineers, and in many ways, it's run by engineers. He was very passionate about engineering. But I've often wondered, uh, the individuals who get an engineering degree and go out into the work world, do they continue to have that passion, or is that one of the things that you help them channel, that just love and joy of engineering and help them keep that really throughout their employment career? That That's primarily one of the first steps. It, it's sort of the blanket that covers everything because uh, just like I lost my passion and interest for engineering for having not captured my goals and dreams, others go through the exact same thing. I just spoke with a mechanical engineer just maybe two days ago, if not three, who has been delivering food and uh, has been struggling for months during this pandemic and uh, just totally lost his passion. His mom actually reached out to me. So I have these conversations with like when parents initiate them and uh, they're really worried about their children or their, you know, the kids, you know, young adults and even teenagers who are going through, they have a passion, but they're losing it as they're looking for different uh, different avenues in life. My goal is to help them create that vision, that short-term vision, long-term vision. So they always have something to look forward to and they don't, they don't lose that meaning because it's very easy to, to, you know, go through a bad season in life and feel like, oh, it's actually my life that needs to be changed. It's not just a bad season. So uh, I'm very passionate for that because I'm a victim of that. I would love to be a, a robotics engineer. I would love to be do the same thing that my brother does and my dad does. They're still working as, you know, in, in, in the tech world and they're very successful and happy. Uh, not that I'm unhappy with what I do, but I can see that it took sticking me 13 years to get here, right? but I can see others that uh, they go through depression and anxiety and loss of identity, which I've experienced all of them. So I don't want them to get to that stage, you know? So one of the things I learned, uh, it took me a long time to learn it as well, was that uh, when an opportunity presents itself, uh, it, you have to have not only the vision to see it, but actually the courage to walk through that open door. Is that something that you help engineers with uh, as well? hundred percent. So uh, I have a formula called courage, fear, confidence. So that's actually my, uh, my account name on Instagram. It's courage.fear.confidence. 
And I created that a few years ago, maybe like three, four years ago. And primarily what that means is that you got to come up with the courage to face your fears so that you can build confidence. So confidence, I always explain that it's a byproduct of facing your fears. And the only thing you need, which we all have, is courage. Courage is equal to potential. You know, if you're alive, if you have a beating heart, you have a level of potential that you may not be aware of, you may not want to acknowledge, but you definitely have potential. And with that potential comes a certain amount of courage. So when you demonstrate it, when you exercise it, you will overcome your fears. You may not overcome all your fears or 100% of that fear, but you'll get some results. And with those results, you're going to improve your, uh, you're going to improve your self-belief. Your self-image will be improved. Uh, you begin to talk about yourself in your head using, you know, better terminology. And that is going to raise your potential again a little bit more. It's going to give you more courage. And the cycle just goes and run around. With more courage, you take more action, get better results, and just going to get your belief system, you know, further build your belief system and enhance your courage. My observation about engineers is that they they tend to be structured in their thinking uh, because that's the sort of uh, way they uh, execute their jobs. And so once that structure is taken away, it, it's either a struggle or a little bit difficult. Is the formula you put together, or I would even say the structure you put together, is that something that resonates with engineers and helps them sort of recapture that sort of uh, culture, if that's the right word? Yeah, 100%. You know, I normally refer to it as a system because systems make sense, system or a process. So perfectly said. Uh, they get it. I mean, without a system, yeah, it needs to be a closed loop system. You know, so I always say, hey, this is a closed loop system. This is where we start. This is where we go. Just like the courage formula, you know, it's, it's you start with potential, you take action, you get results, you improve your belief system. You go back to potential and courage. It just it loops around and around. When it comes to job search, it, it's a loop. When it comes to career development, it's a loop. So you need to definitely have a starting point and a, and a finish point so you can visualize that entire process of where this is going to be, where this is now, where it's going to be, and what are the milestones in between. Now, among, among 100 engineers, you might have, let's say, two of them that become inventors, you know, maybe one, maybe less than one. I don't know the statistics really, but it's the it's the inventors that are becoming more creative they're they have a more artistic side so they take action towards something without knowing what the end result is but the average engineer me including i'm i'm, I'm not a i'm not a creative person or i don't believe i am you know i don't have to the, take issue with that uh, you know maybe they're writing <laughs> you know maybe i am but i, I wouldn't take credit for it because I always have the end in mind. Everything I do, I define the final step first. I may not fully draw it out, but I, I need to know what I'm moving towards, you know? That's interesting because my approach has always been, uh, I want to do that and I do it. And <laughs> that's as far as my process goes. Yeah. But one of the things I've learned about process is uh, continuous monitoring and continuous improvement. And it also almost sounds like to me, that's what you've described. You have a process, you monitor that process, you take inputs from that process and you either improve, uh, you grow with that, or perhaps there needs to be remedial steps taken and you can take those remedial steps. But it's it's really one 
one big process and it doesn't stop with, hey, I just got hired. And that really led me to want to ask you about, do you have clients that you continuously counsel with and continuously advise beyond simply the hiring process, sort of their professional career as well? Yeah, hundred percent. So that's the succession succession plan, and uh, it never stops. The job searching never stops. You know, career development never stops. Uh, it might it might be off of your mind for a while because you're happy, you're successful, you have inner peace. You know, you're content with what you do on a daily basis or in your nine to five. But also focus on their five to nine, their five p.m. till nine p.m. on their personal development and their personal growth. But but on their skills development, because it might take you a few years to develop a particular skill that would get you to the next career step. So we need to pay attention to that. Or, you know, really personal development is is the precursor to all success. So what are some of the things we can do, we can work on on yourself that would make you a better version of yourself so you can you can become the person you strive to be because sometimes we don't even know what we're going to do after this job. So we can't really learn a new software or learn a new technical skill or professional skill. So what remains is that we've got to work on ourselves and you just become a better version of yourself. And that better version, your conscious would tell you that, Hey, now that I'm just more capable up here, I have a pure, more pure heart. I feel like I need to go and solve these bigger problems. And that's the, you know, that's the fire that I like to light inside of people and uh, get them to just really upgrade and level up their life. So I was going to ask you if the advice you gave uh, clients or uh, changed over the life of their professional career. But I, I think now what I realize is, it's the advice really doesn't matter. It's the process. It's the continuous monitoring and continuous improvement. And once you have that process in place, then you can monitor. You can certainly change the questions. You can change the metrics. You can change the key performance indicators, but they're giving you information, which allows you to then make an either more informed decision, or as I said earlier, if remediation is required or change is required, uh, you can input that change and, and go forward. So it's really helping people understand this process. It, did, did I understand it correctly? Oh, you did, because the process doesn't change. It is, it is a system, you know, and that's what people want to do. They want to use a system. The system or the process doesn't change, but uh, you get different, different people get different results from it. So it's like literally getting on a bus. The bus itself doesn't change. You can sit anywhere you want, but you could potentially, if you, if you put yourself in the driver's seat, well, then you're going to go into different directions, you know, different destinations. What I strive to be is to be the bus driver for you. So you sit, you take your seat, you know, wherever you want to sit, 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 sit there. But, you know, I can guide you, get to your destination faster. And what, what we can do is to predefine your destination and just let me drive there. Let me guide you there rather than you trying to figure out on your own because chances are you'll make some mistakes. You'll go to, uh, you know, you'll end up at a few dead ends. I have to drive back and, you know, work your way back up. And the challenge with that is that, you know, every day, you know, we're, we're aging, you know, the, the timeline doesn't stop. The clock is ticking. So how fast do you want to get to that final destination is really the question. So let me change the focus just a little bit and ask you about uh, really the last 10 months or so since um, or mid-March when we all got locked down. 
Has your approach changed? And I was intrigued because earlier on you talked about uh, not all, but certainly many engineers are introverts. And, and I've found that in the time of coronavirus, with people working from home, introverts actually thrive in that, uh, or at least are, can have the possibility to thrive. But you pointed out it's really about communication, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. So how has the coronavirus health crisis impacted not so much you or the services you delivered, but the on your customers and helping or your clients and helping them understand their role in all of this? Yeah, so introverts, me being one of them, and you know, engineers, the average person who considers themselves an introvert, they, I mean, we're all having a challenging time, but they, uh, they're coping with the challenge of isolation better because they've been, they've, they've spent more time with themselves alone, you know, rather than someone who's an extrovert and, you know, seeks that, uh, seeks that approval, the validation from external sources and needs to go outside and, you know, need to get out to find, you know, contentment and fun for lack of a better term. But someone who's, who's introverted can find that at home, can find that just, you know, sitting at home and playing video games or reading a book or whatever they do at home by themselves. So you do for themselves by themselves or in a virtual, you know, in a, in a virtual world. But, um, my approach hasn't really changed much. The, the one thing that I've spent more time on and that happened immediately is to, fo- is to put more time and focus on mental health. So uh, I really began to focus on focus my coaching, not just on career coaching, but also on life coaching and three pillars of life coaching or three pillars of wellness, which are mental, social and spiritual mental because like everything we do is 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 going to be our mindset is going to be affected by everything we do social specifically because you know with isolation whether you're an engineer or not introvert or not you need to you need to continue having a social life so me having worked at home for the last eight nine years and having been pretty much self-isolating myself for for at least the last five that i'm working really hard with a remote team at home I got really good at it, you know, when the pandemic happened, I said, oh, wow, I've been practicing, I've been training for an isolation for five years. So let me help people cope with these changes and, you know, build communities online and join communities online, really, and strive uh, and thrive at them. Uh, But ultimately, so mental, social, and lastly, spiritual, as I mentioned earlier, like, I, I grew up meditating, I grew up in martial arts. So meditating was a constant and then uh, reading was also as well. So I can thank my mom for that. But most recently, like in the last 10 years or so that I started writing and got into journaling, those three practices are amazing for you to become a more spiritual person, spend some more time with yourself. Because a lot of individuals, I understand that, hey, you can spend an hour on Zoom with an exercise, fun, but what are you going to do with the next 23 hours? You're going to be home alone. So you need to be able to be comfortable in your own skin and uh be be okay with the voices in your head so i knew that and i knew that i was good at it so i began uh began talking about it publicly sharing my own story and also inviting others into having these conversations with me you know i typically ask people uh where they might see 
either their business, their profession in 2025 and beyond. But it really strikes me that with your system in place, certainly for your clients, you have provided them a system which allows them to deal with almost an endless supply of inputs or changes or other dynamics. Um, So I'm not sure there's a question in there, but kind of 2025 and beyond engineers with at least the way you help try to help them think through processes, where would you see all that going? Uh, we're gonna, by that time, we're gonna, be, we're gonna be helping a million people, a million engineers a year. So I don't only work with engineers, engineers, technologists, scientists, you know, my mom's a scientist, biologist, and my wife's a doctor, scientist. So it's, it's really like the both, all communities, but with me being an engineer and the company, the branding being around engineer, most of my clients being around engineers, so that's that's what I lead with. But, you know, I'd say if you're a nerd, if you're a geek like me, you know, like nerds, I, we were going to get along. Or if you studied STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, you know, I understand your personality. I understand the environment you grew up and uh, I can I can understand where you want to go. So you mentioned you mentioned change. You know, I, I always talk about change and also like talk about stress because when it comes when it comes to changes in life, change is the only constant that we deal with. So, how we can prepare for the next season, the next next changing season, is to improve our level of stress management. So, how can we always think on our feet and just comprehend what's happening right now is an opportunity for us to grow. Like every problem, every challenge is an opportunity. So. I make sure that when someone has that negative stimulus, they, they, they see something that they perceive as negative because nothing is really negative or positive. It's just how you, how you feel about it. When they get that, they, they actually respond with gratitude, you know, respond with, you know, thank you. Thank you for providing me with this opportunity so that I can become a better version of myself. So if you fast forward four years from now to 2025, uh, we're just really going to be growing and helping more people, reaching more people around the world and helping them first just get in the right mental mindset, get in the right mindset and developing that health from, from within and then projecting that out. Because I always say if, if, if I just get to help one engineer today and that engineer ends up, could potentially in, end up changing the world, right? Like you were saying, you know, the world is made by engineers. I agree with you, you know, (laughs) that's what we do, you know, so. (laughs) Well, Nadir, I visit with a lot of people and there are many people, and I would include myself in them, who uh, were able to overcome an obstacle, whether in my case, it was an injury. And in your case, it was coming out uh, to the job market during the last worst recession and, and make something uh, very much of themselves in a different direction, but you've taken that to a different level and you've taken that to the level of you're now using your own experience to help others. So I wanted to acknowledge you for that. I interviewed, I can't think of two or three others in years who have done what you've done. So uh, all I have to say to you is you keep doing what you're doing. Um, and with that, uh, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners engineer or not, wanted to get any more information on you, your services, uh, or really perhaps even just reach out and talk to you, how could they do so? Oh, 100%. So go to our website, engineeryourmission.com. 
Com. You definitely don't have to be an engineer. Uh, frankly, like 30, 40% of my clients are not engineers. Although uh, if you are one, then there's just going to be a lot of alignment between us. And it just makes me be able to help you understand you, comprehend you and like become your friend faster, <laughs> you know, but uh, engineeryourmission.com is where we can come together and strive, uh, just become a better version of ourselves. Well, Nadir, thank you. Um, I'd like to uh, tell you a little bit about our uh, sponsor, Dusty Rollins. And uh, Dusty works with people like yourself. He works with entrepreneurs and others on tax strategy. It's not doing your taxes. It's a tax strategy. And if you're a solo businessman like me, I know he would help you out. So I would encourage you to uh, take a look at his website, but more importantly, schedule an appointment with him. You can do so at www.thetaxcure.com. So with that, Nadir, uh, thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tom. Dusty Rollins here. Thank you so much for listening to Profiles in Persistence. If you're a successful business owner or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit thetaxcure.com slash podcast slash apply. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Profiles in Persistence. I love seeing your post and your guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes and go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.thetaxcure.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.